This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and joined in studio with me today, CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. How you doing, Doug? I'm good. Doing great, Brent. Good morning on a rainy day in Georgia. Oh, boy, it's nasty, but it's going to clear up, so that's a, that's a good thing you and I... Traveling around the country the past uh, couple of weeks, went from warm to cold uh, <laughs> to rain, so uh, getting all the different climates out there. We were down in uh, Fort Lauderdale earlier this week for a uh, for a conference, and now back in Atlanta in studio for Healthcare Consumerism Radio. What do you think of that? We've got a great program, and, and our travels have been great, too. I mean, a lot, a lot going on out there in the marketplace. Yeah, so, sure is. I, got mean, a- I mean, today we're going to... You know, go from exchange uh, and discussion with uh, Scott Sullivan, senior VP of uh, Go Health, and got really going to look at you know, one of the leaders in the private exchange market, and we'll talk specifically about some COBRA alternatives that he wants to talk about, where the ACA is giving some relief to uh, individuals. Yeah, uh, one of the uh, you know his topic looks here, uh, how COBRA alternatives can result in big savings for employers. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. And then uh, Barbara uh, Nawick. Uh, Who's a good friend of ours with uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers, and uh, she's going to give us. She has a kind of a whole holistic view of this change in this marketplace. She's going to talk specifically from from and about uh, the latest from PwC's Health Research Institute report on uh, the rise of retail health coverage. Yep, the uh, looks like the title here: Health Insurance Moves Towards a. Uh, business to consumer model and we've talked about that a lot you know right now it's it's the b2b model but then the the evolution the business to consumer and how do you really engage that consumer i know we had uh wendy lynch on a couple programs ago and and wendy really talks about you know what's the consumer's role in healthcare, and so you know very you know she's got an approach wendy has an approach on the consumer um and their role in healthcare there. So it'll be really interesting to see what Barbara's going to talk about, you know, from where she sees the, the health insurance move from a business to consumer model as well. Yeah, and then we've got, uh, you know, one of the continuing trends in the marketplace is the whole concept of connected care from, you know, remote devices to, uh, from remote devices to uh, telehealth. And we're going to have on Adam Jackson, CEO of, uh, you know, Doctors on Demand, uh, this is Adam's actually third uh, venture-backed company, so very experienced CEO and uh, very solidly venture-backed company. So it'll be interesting uh, to hear his perspective on where he sees the, t- uh, the whole telehealth space going. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of the you know a lot of the telehealth and that whole marketplace is big with the institute, and we're looking. You know, we're actually going to be working with. Uh, the CEO or CMO of um, Teladoc around our IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th in uh, Las Vegas. And actually, everybody out there, today is the last day that you can sign up for the early bird rate. So make sure, uh, if you haven't already, go sign up for that early bird rate for IHC Forum West. But, you know, Teladoc is going to be up there talking about what's the role of telehealth there at the conference, um, along with some others. But then you, you start looking at some of the other general sessions that we have and some of the pre-conferences. And Barbara with PwC is actually going to be looking at the, the private exchange marketplace with a pre-conference with us out there as well. Yeah, we in their partnership with the uh, uh, Private Healthcare Exchange Collaborative, which is uh, <coughs> the employer coalition group, uh, the group of Pacific Business Group on Health, Midwest Business Group on Health, New England uh, uh, Business Group on Health. So uh, should be very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, we've got an interesting uh, medical tourism fam trip, too, at Forum West. That's uh, right. Uh, 
it gives the ability of our attendees that are interested in looking at these access alternatives from a cost basis, accessibility, and quality outcome basis to go visit, uh, you know, some very interesting uh, facilities out there doing some good work in the area of cardiac, area of bariatrics, in the area of knee and hip replacement. When we and then some of the other one of the other pre conferences that we're actually. Um, is filling up quite well is a self-funded uh, pre-conference that we've done in partnership with Nahu. And for all you brokers and consultants out there, if you're looking at you know the self-funding aspect of the business out there, there is a pre-conference on self-funding and its role with um, employers out there and how you can help your clients. Is self-funding right for for your clients that you serve? And you know all the things that we see in the market and. This is just our opinion, but self-funding starting to move itself down to downstream. the mid downstream. So normally it was for the larger employers, but it's starting to move downstream to the mid-market. Um, small employer, not so sure about that right now. I think there's some other options there for small employers to look at, but the, the pre-conference with NAHU is specifically going to look at that self-funding aspect. And then certainly our certification pre-conference. Yes, Mr. Mr. Ron Bachman has probably got his feet in the sand right now, but uh, Ron, you know, going to do our pre-conference on um, that helps people get certified in, in healthcare consumerism. And, you know, with the growth of healthcare consumerism out there, this is kind of the starting course um, for our attendees to come in and really get the A to Z of healthcare consumerism. And, um, you know, Ron does a really good job, very engaging, and you actually walk away with a nice big booklet with all kinds of goodies on how you can uh, go back into your organization if you're an employer and, and implement healthcare consumerism, or if you're a broker, consultant, or even a health plan, uh, you get a tool to walk back into your office and use. Yeah, and you'll be able to uh, take, take the test online uh, as soon as the conference ends. So while it's fresh... And top of mind, you can actually take the certification course or test, and it's a pass-fail, and you can take it as many times. And, again, our certification course, as you said, is really about the A to Z to healthcare consumerism, and it is for really all stakeholders, whether you're inside an employer, you're a broker-producer, you're a solution provider, sales force, you're a benefit consultant, your TPA or health plan is really for anyone in this space that want to get their arm around uh, healthcare consumerism and have, and have that designation on their business card, Yep, CHCC. So everybody out there, if you haven't signed up for uh, IHC Forum West, make sure you do it today. Get the best price. Uh, available prices will go up after today. So got a great group. Again, it's all about learning, connecting, and sharing with all the different stakeholders. So brokers, consultants, health plans, TPAs, people in the business, um, you know, we're all showing up on this attendee list. So it's going to be a great event. Don't miss out on uh, being here and being part of the energy of this event because there's going to be some good things that come out of it, and you can come back um, and take it into your workforce and, and utilize these tools that you can learn from the conference. So I uh, hope to see you there. Um, again, IHC Forum is um, is the website, www.ihcforum.com. Uh, you can get the information there. But um, – Doug, you had, you had a big announcement to the marketplace a week or two ago around specifically the private exchange industry. Mm-hmm. And I know you saw a lot of things moving and shaking in that world. And and tell our audience again what, what the Institute's going to be doing. Yeah, well, let's, let's just step back and talk about what we're really doing around events in uh, 2015. You know, um, we're pretty excited about the continued growth of our Atlanta forum uh, and our uh, forum held in Las Vegas. Uh and we're going to launch a third national event. So all of these are national events that certainly will appeal to a geographic region like every event does to a 90-mile radius. But, you know, our event in um, 
is going to move to June in Atlanta next year. It's going to be June 23rd through 25th. Uh, we're very excited about that. And exchange content will uh, be deeply a part of that, as well as all the other different moving parts of healthcare consumerism. Our November event next year will be November 16th through 18th. We're going to stay at the Red Rocks, great facility, great place, just as in Atlanta at the Cobb Gallery and the Waverly is a uh, great place. Uh, we're going to uh, launch a third event in uh, Dallas, Texas, March 31st through April 1st. Uh, you know, we saw really the need <coughs> to devote two days exclusively to discussion around defined contribution and private exchanges. So we have rolled out private exchange forum uh, that will be held at the Marriott Rena Renaissance in Richardson, Texas, again, March 31st through April 1st. You can actually go to uh, our website, privateexchangeforum.com. Uh, and access, the, you know, any of the information about that event. And right now, for all of our events, let the audience know we are uh, head down into program planning. So if you've got a topic that you'd like to see us discuss and you want to submit it for our review, if, you've, if you're a speaker who's got a topic that you'd like to speak to or you'd like to speak at our event around some of the topics that are going to be on our program, you know, we'd love to hear from you. And you can, again, access our forum sites and, uh, you know, submit topic and uh, speakers to us. We're also excited about a fourth thing we're doing with events. Uh, to keep us connected to our home base here in Greater Atlanta, we're going to roll out uh, the first uh, week in January a monthly Lunch and Learn uh, series that will be held the first Thursday of every month uh, here in Atlanta. So an opportunity for all stakeholders together here in Atlanta uh, to network with each other and then focus on a specific subject each, each month. And the one, um, you know, we were talking with a lot of people last or this past week, um, you know, with all our events, the connectivity between all these events from our IHC forums that we've done um, over the years and then the exchange conference is employers out there, brokers, consultants, and others need to understand the A to Z of healthcare consumerism mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, Healthcare consumerism aspects really tie into the private exchange world. Right. And if you don't understand the A to Z of healthcare consumerism and how you engage your employee population to become better consumers of health and healthcare, if you don't have that in place, you're more than likely not just going to jump all the way over to an exchange. We were actually at the conference that we went to this past week. Doug, you and I were sitting at a table uh, – for lunch and it was two brokers and two employers and we just kind of overheard them talking about how they were putting in a full replacement program and two to three years down the road they were going to move to an exchange mm -hmm. and we kind of got in a back and forth conversation with them and they saw you know a lot of what we see in the marketplace and they were looking to implement it so it was a really good conversation um, with them and, and what they were looking to put in place from a from a plan standpoint but you can find all the information uh, about our conferences on our website, and I, I gave the wrong website when I was talking about IHC Forum <laughs> West. Apologize, apologize for that. But just go to theihcc.com, and then you can navigate to our conferences. And there's multiple different conferences on there. IHC Forum West for uh, November, you'll see that on there, and then you can see our 2015 events as well. Yep. And, uh one of the trends we picked up at the conference last week is uh, one that we're going to dig deeper into next year too. Uh, it's, uh, is that the whole concept of wearables. And so look for us to be weaving that throughout our web community, 
through weaving that throughout our content through our publications here on the radio show we've already had many guests on that are talking about digital health and wearables and you're going to see that take a big role at our events too with some things that we're going to do around the health and wellness lounge and the digital wearables uh showcase very popular yeah the wearables piece and and the from the fitbits to you know all the different wearables that you see out there very popular space and ties quite nicely into the consumerism movement so that's we're going to be rolling like doug said we're going to be rolling out some really cool stuff for the exhibit hall there um everything's going to come back into one room for next year and uh, if you are interested in exhibiting or sponsoring the event if you're a solution provider out there you can reach out to me or our members of our sales team and you can still find information on the ihc website on um sponsorships and exhibiting we do have some early sponsors already on board and, and thank you to those have come that have come back to sponsor the event um we couldn't do it without you so thank you very much yep well listen we're uh, uh excited about starting this program so uh stay tuned for the first segment of healthcare consumerism radio membership are you an ihc member access to the institute for healthcare consumerism's breaking news industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Fields, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with my co-host, uh, Brent Macy, Managing Director. And welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining us uh, uh, in this segment is uh, one of our affiliate members, uh, Go Health. And to lead the discussion for Go Health is Scott Sullivan, Senior VP of Sales and Business Development. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Doug. Brent, how you guys doing? We're doing great. How's Chicago today? It's cold and, and, uh, and, and rainy, so uh, pretty typical weather for us these days, I tell you. Oh, just beautiful, huh? 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, right? Yeah, good to have you on the program. Look forward to uh, seeing you soon out in uh, Las Vegas. Give our audience a little background on uh, Go Health, and then we'll jump into this uh, COBRA alternative discussion. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we really appreciate it and are excited to see you in, uh, in Nevada here in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, so Go Health, we're, we're a Chicago-based company that really leverages technology to make the buying and selling of health insurance, op- uh, health insurance uh, simple. So we have three separate business units within the organization, uh, the first being an agent business unit, and we power roughly 30,000 agents across the country uh, through our quoting enrollment platform as well as our CRM tools. Uh, the second business unit we have is we actually power uh, carriers, uh, both from an outsourced direct sales perspective along with technology. Uh, and then lastly, we have our own agency. So Go Health is one of the largest agencies in the country. We actually sold more subsidized health insurance policies than any other private organization last year during open enrollment. Oh, well, that's great. Hey, um, so the ACA uh, has provided some uh, relief to uh, laid-off workers and giving them uh, s- some some choices around COBRA. Talk a little bit about that, if you would, Scott. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, really kind of going down to the mechanics of it is that if a employee uh, is, is unfortunately loses their employer-sponsored coverage, that actually would be known as a, as a qualifying life event. And for all intents and purposes, a qualifying life event really just empowers a consumer or an employee with the ability to purchase a subsidized health insurance policy outside of the open enrollment period. Um, so to give you an example, the open enrollment period for, for this year starts on 11 uh, and then ends on, on, two, uh, on, on February 15th of next year. So if you don't have a qualifying life event, you really don't have access or the ability to purchase a subsidized health insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes the um, losing the employer-sponsored coverage unique in regards to the qual- as far as the qualifying uh, life events go is that unfortunately oftentimes when you lose your employer coverage that may be uh, a byproduct of losing your job yep. uh, which obviously is a very difficult thing for anybody to kind of go through so the ability to leverage this qualifying life event to purchase subsidized health insurance policy has been a very rewarding thing based on uh, based on our numbers and our experience yeah so to, to give you a couple of examples and give you some numbers uh, last year, a, a, a uh, individual who purchased a, health, a subsidized health insurance policy was only paying roughly $69 per month after the subsidy. So um, it, it's definitely dramatically uh, more inexpensive than, than their alternative, which would be the COBRA in this instance. Yeah, and you know, another note that we look at is the fact that a, buying a, a, a qualified health insurance policy, on average, will be 40% less than the premiums by COBRA. So, you know, really this, the, 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 the unfortunate event of losing your, your uh, employer-sponsored coverage, um, you know, enables the consumer to take a look at the, the options that are available to them um, and obviously save money in, in a positive light. Yeah, because COBRA is, it, it, you know, to your point, it's always been a very high-cost option for those put in that unfortunate position. It is, it is. And I think that one of the things we're realizing is most people just don't really realize this is, this is available to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've kind of taken it uh, along with our partners as an opportunity to educate these folks because it really is, is one of those true, true instances of a win-win, both from an employee perspective as well as from an employer perspective. Now, talk a little bit about, um, so employer obviously isn't going to pay for that health insurance, but um, you allude to the fact that they can actually make commission by referring people to, you know, the Go Health Exchange? Well, you've got it. So we've got a variety of different partnerships that we've set up, and, and oftentimes it may be through a broker or a Ben Admin platform, for mm-hmm. example, to, to get us engaged with those employers. 
But um, you know, let's, we have a we have a, one example would be uh, we've got a, bro- a relationship with a broker that referred us over to a large retailer, and they had um, uh, an opportunity where they had a lot of individuals that were were electing for Cobra, and so we set up a, a what we call a private exchange for this particular opportunity. So a co-branded website and, and portal along with a dedicated 800 number, and um, we worked in, in collaboration with the employer as well as the, the benefits partner on, on educating the employees that this was available for them, and then the employees would call us up. We would you know, appropriately put them into the, the right plan, uh, and then we all would share on, on the upside. We'd share on that commission. So it's a great way to kind of turn oftentimes a negative into a positive, and we can create additional revenue stream either for a broker or a Ben admin, ben admin platform or often even the employee as well. That's a true. As well. That, uh, Scott, I think most people wouldn't know this about Go Health and, you know, help pull this together. I mean, you can come in, you can come into an employer and you can be their complete solution, you and the partner, or you can come in and actually you can partner with others in providing accessibility to the federal facility uh, marketplace, providing accessibility to individual insurance alternatives, correct? You got it. You got it. We were actually the first web-based entity to successfully integrate with healthcare.gov. Uh, we did that on the 28th of November last year. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we, we enrolled more subsidized applications than any other kind of private agency out there. Um, so without question, we, we, it probably is more common for us to work with a partner than, than get, get go employer direct mm-hmm. um, because I think we, we bring a unique, a unique skill set to the table. And, you know, from an employer's perspective, you know, they, they really just want to make sure their employees have the best options available to them. Sure. Um, because as we all know, you know, their, their options are going to differ by state. And for us, we've got such a strong depth and such a strong network that we can assist a consumer in California just as easily as we can in Illinois or, or Arizona or Texas, for example. Now, now Scott, does uh, Go Health also uh, serve the non-active employee, the med- you know, the, uh, re- uh, the retiree employee base for employers? You got it. You got it. That's a great point, Doug. Uh, I think those are probably the three most common ways we interact with the employer would be the COBRA alternative, uh, an early retiree, and then the non-benefit eligible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think every employer out there wants to try to provide some sort of option out to their em- employees, even if they can't afford the, the group health options. And what our system and what our people can do is we can take our technology, integrate it with an existing platform that may be out there, and then just as importantly, we've got uh, a licensed agent on that back end. To, to, to educate that employee, give them the various options, and then uh, even take that application over the phone. So we can really kind of mix and match our, our, our offering to, to whatever be the most appropriate partner or, 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 uh, or employer. Scott, you know, uh, let's move on to another topic that I think is of interest to a lot but maybe misunderstood. Talk to us a little bit about defined contribution and, uh, you know, your interpretation of that and where you see that being adopted in the marketplace. Sure. No, I think that's that, that's often a, it's another really hot topic. I feel like the term defined contribution exchange are, are more used now than ever have been before. Um, you know, but really, what, what what some of the numbers we see is nearly half of all U.S. employers um, are, are are moving or have moved to a defined contribution model. Uh, and, and even uh, I'd say the other half are at least thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because really, what the defined contribution is, is set up to do is is uh, give some relief to the employer in regards to being able to cap their, their medical expenses and, and their, their, their insurance expenses. Because obviously, as we know, as you know, premiums increase, uh, it's difficult oftentimes for specifically a small employer to kind of keep up with that. So a defined contribution platform enables an employer to give a contribution to employees, but, uh, you know, but have it be a set contribution. So, uh, and then you know, the consumer can leverage our marketplace you know, make their appropriate uh, selection of their individual health insurance policy along with a, an ancillary policy if it makes sense. But, you know, in its simplest form, uh, it's just a, the, the employer's ability to kind of make the switch uh, to give their employees more coverage options 
uh, based on their budgets and their needs. Yeah, you know, defined contribution is not new, but what's new is the marrying with technology and platform solutions like yourself, correct? You got it, you got it, because I think the big thing is now is individual health insurance is guaranteed issue, you know, so, so that, that, that's, that's been a big change for us. So oftentimes, you know, again, specifically small employers were, were, were hanging on those group plans because they, they really felt an obligation or a desire to, to give these health insurance options. So uh, now that, that everyone can have it, you know, regardless of pre-existing conditions or what have you, uh, this has become a much more relevant uh, discussion or opportunity for these employers. Scott, this is Brent. Um, talking specifically to the exchange platform that you guys have, when you go in and you talk with, let's say, an employer, what do you think that employer needs to really understand and evaluate first and foremost when they're when they're looking at a solution like yours? You know, I think that um, a, a broad, you know, basically having a solution that can kind of give the the, the employee. Uh, every you know every relevant option you know so if you kind of look at look at our platform we have both on exchange options we have off exchange options we have ancillary options um, you know versus if you look at some other platforms out there they may be siloed in one category or the other and I think an employer you know based on our dialogue their responsibility is to get to try to make sure they can give the best choice to their employees regardless of kind of their makeup or their located or income bracket what have you so I think you know empowering a, your employees with the ability to kind of make a selection. Uh, of all the relevant uh, options that are out there, it's probably priority number one. With um, and and along those same lines, Scott, you know, when we've heard, you know, in our conversations that these exchanges can take many different forms, from even getting way past the the medical side of everything and moving into to other types of products. Do you do you see that evolution um, taking place down the road? And if so, you know, how many years do you think that these things will grow? These exchange platforms that'll grow to get you know almost like the Costco model that you kind of hear out there, where it's got a lot of different products uh, built into the platform. Sure. No, I mean I think that if you look at it right now, you know, the, obviously medical is the main the main items that we focus on. But we're seeing a very uh, high, high amount of individuals that are selecting to add dental, to add vision. Um, we're educating consumers every day about accident, you know, accident protection or critical illness protection, um, you know, things like that. So, so I definitely look at it as being uh, the exchange model to grow uh, with more products uh, to become available. Because oftentimes these ancillary products can, do, can, can provide a great value to these employers or these consumers because they can assist in where there may be gaps in the benefits that the traditional policy may provide. So, you know, we look at it as, uh, as, as being uh, definitely an area of growth and something that we're going to continue to kind of keep our eye on to make sure that our portfolio of offering, be it medical plus ancillary or just medical, has is, is got everything a consumer would need. Now, now talking to your, your channels, man, from a sales standpoint, is your model, is it broker-centric? Is it friendly to the brokers where a broker can come on and, and recommend your platform to move, move their employer clients onto your platform? Do you embrace the brokers out there? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we're unique in that in that fashion. I mean, if you look at other folks in our space, um, they either kind of go one direction or the other. They, they build this technology and they utilize it for, for their own capacity, whereas what we do is we can go to these employers and say, hey, listen, uh, we want to help you, you know, kind of capitalize on this individual opportunity in the manner that you think that's most appropriate. We can provide you with the technology and the tools, and you can really just, for lack of better words, lease it, um, you know, where you, you could just utilize it as a way to, to drive, you know, more efficient production. Um, and that's something that we see. That's those thirty thousand agents across the country that that do that on a you know on a daily basis with us. Or we can go to the employer and say, Hey, listen, you don't want to deviate too much from your core, um, but you do recognize that this is an opportunity on the you know the Cobra alternative side, 
you know, the non-benefit eligible or the early retiree side. So why don't you just refer that business over to us, and we can kind of share in the in the revenue for that and, and set up kind of a long-lasting partnership. So we really, uh, I think, do a good job of going to these brokers and say, listen, if you want to get fully inundated with the individual health insurance options, here's the technology. Or if you just want to focus in your core but set up an additional revenue stream and refer the business over to us, we can do that as well. Hey, Scott, give, uh, you know, I think this fall is a very important time. Uh, so kind of give us kind of your perspective, you and your team's perspective on what you see happening this fall that will potentially springboard us into next year. And we, and we got about a minute and a half to go. So. Sure. No, I mean, I think that, um, you know, with, with more stability out there, you know, this year, you know, compared to last, we're looking for a very productive uh, open enrollment period. Um, I think a lot of consumers, uh, you know, even with some of the instability last year, you guys would, uh, it's really exciting to kind of take a look at someone who's never bought health insurance for the first time. It's really kind of a rewarding type of a scenario. So, you know, we still look at it it as a scenario where um, the technology is going to be kind of key, but you definitely better make sure you've got someone in that back end, you know, that licensed advisor, that licensed broker to be able to really fully educate a consumer on what their options are. Because many folks are buying health insurance for the first time. So it's really a kind, of a kind of a combination of the technology to help, you know, educate consumers on what's available for them, and then that broker to kind of help guide them across the finish line so they really, truly feel like they made the right selection for themselves and their family. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Scott, uh, really enjoyed having you on the program today. I really and appreciate you taking the time out of your day. You uh, have a great weekend up in uh, Chicago. And to our audience, you can join Scott and the rest of the Go Health team out at IHC Forum West in Las Vegas, uh, November 11th through 12th. Thank you, Brent and Doug. I really appreciate the opportunity. You guys have a great weekend as well. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Stay tuned for the next segment, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host Brent Macy, Managing Director, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Uh, we're pleased to have joining us on this segment uh, Barbara Newick, uh, Principal of Human Resource Service Practices with Price Waterhouse uh, Coopers. Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Hey, nice to have you on the program with us today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about, I think you want, you know, the, this change we see going on in the marketplace, healthcare insurance moving towards a more business consumer model and specifically some results of a, uh, you know, current study that uh, the, your Health Research Institute just released called The Rise of Retail Health Coverage. Well, we've, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, uh, employers are really looking at private exchanges as a way to kind of get a win-win um, and save money and also enhance their strategy but give consumers a better experience. So we do see the market really highly interested in exchanges and moving towards this new model of benefit delivery. Barbara, why do you why do you think that is? Why do you think employers are looking at this new model and, and for those that are still on the fence, you know, kind of looking at this model, why do you think they're still on the fence? Well, employers are looking at private exchanges in an effort to better control the cost of health care benefits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what employers are always trying to do. And that continues to be a top priority for both the CHRO but other members of the C-suite as well. Uh, and we've been talking about this for years, but it, uh, as trends continue to go up uh, and we see that that's uh, continuing to happen in the market, especially with the consolidation of providers, um, hospitals buying physician practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, cost is still a big issue, um, and there's a tremendous amount of news exposure on private exchanges, um, and the exposure says there's a way to save money. So the promise of savings, whether it's through buying down, right-sizing, reduced administration, better discounts, that's why employers are interested in it, and that's why some are moving. But there are those that are kind of hanging out on the fence, um, and it's, that group is really bifurcated, I would say. They're not necessarily uh, waiting to see what happens. Um, some are. They don't want to be the first movers, but mm-hmm. others are really taking the time to evaluate the options. Mm-hmm. And so that's caused a little bit more of a delay than I think the, some of the exchanges would have hoped. And um, we're seeing the exchanges being, though, of tremendous interest to lots of industries. So while initially we thought it was retail and hospitality, the interest has really become much broader yeah. it's across all industries. Um, but I think part of the reason that there is so much interest isn't just because of savings, but it's also because traditional advisors are in the business of exchanges and they're promoting their own exchange solutions. So um, all so many employers are interested, and we've seen numbers as high as 45% are going to consider uh, private exchanges in the next couple of years. Um, we've seen numbers as low as a third, but yeah. still, you know, 32, 33% is still a significant portion of employers, and we see it across all segments. Um, but I think it's taken them a little bit longer to do the evaluation because they're trying to get a, an independent advisor to really help them evaluate the options, and there are a lot of options. Do you see, uh, what kind of run-up, Barbara, do you see, uh, you know, adoption time frame do you see? I mean, there's been a lot of predictions that this is going to explode rapidly over the next three years. What kind of run-up do you see? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Could you say it again? <laughs> what, what, what he was saying, Barbara, what, how fast do you see the private exchange oh, adoption taking place? Yeah. 
So, you know, I think that the outlook for 2015 was pretty positive, and I think there was some uh, disappointment. Um, and it, it kind of really depends on the market. So I think the disappointment really is that the uh, people didn't make the decision to go 1-1-15, but they haven't made the decision not to go 1-1-16. So it's just, again, the, the prolonged. So on the active side, I think you'll see a tremendous amount of movement more in the 2016 um, and even 2017. So we're working with employers now. We're talking to a lot of employers, and when we're out speaking, um, that's kind of the time frame. And it's really to do something before the Cadillac tax. So it's somewhat tied to that. Mm-hmm. So um, while exchanges maybe didn't grow as much as they wanted to in 15, the activity was higher than they expected it to be. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of movement in the mid-market, um, and there was there's definitely some movement in the jumbo market as well, but I really think that it will be very hot on the active side for 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Also on the retiree side, there's, the retiree exchanges have been uh, around and are more mature or perceived to be more mature, especially in that post-65 market. And all the big companies, a lot of the big companies have already made that leap. And I, I would expect that market's really going to kind of be what we call or consider a land grab over the next two to three years. Yeah. But that's going to be very, very heated. And uh, the active market is probably tied a little bit with um, the implementation of the catalog tax. And, and so... Um, if, if we kind of look at what the growth estimates are, and they're pretty significant, there, there are estimates out there that somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of all employers will, will kind of go uh, the exchange route um, for their active employees. Um, but it's a matter of kind of when is that really going to accelerate? We would expect it to, to accelerate 2016, 2017 and, and get there kind of about 2020. Now, Barbara, um, there at PwC, what what type of feedback are you getting from the employee population that, that is getting engaged um, in these private exchange platforms? You know, there is not a lot uh, of press on it, but we, we do ask uh, those that have gone and um, we've looked at some of the survey information, and we actually we're, we're updating our survey right now to include that, but um, it's been pretty positive. The, the extra choice and the tools to become better consumers are, are very well received. And also that the tools are getting better and better every year. Mm-hmm. So as the exchanges become more mature, um, we are seeing um, that uh, the, the tools that help consumerism and provide access on physicians and quality and cost is, is really well received. So, um, you know, it's been pretty positive. I've not heard a lot of negativity from the users, consumers. Now, from, um, you know, as we all know, there, there's a lot of different models out there. And, you know, what what do you think, you know, the education process should be for helping employers kind of understand all these different models? And how do you at PwC help them fit in, fit into the right model that's right for that population? Well, you know, that's, there are a lot of different models. There are, you know, so many different exchanges. And there's, I think, new entrants even coming in that may not fit neatly into one of the models that are out there. And I think that creates a lot of the confusion, and that's part of the delay as well. So, you know, PwC uh, worked with um, four uh, business coalitions on health, Northeast, Pacific, Midwest, and employers' health, and created the Private Exchange Evaluation Collaborative. And, and our role really is just to put information out there on exchanges to help educate employers. But there are a lot of other places that employers can get smart on exchanges through going to a lot of conferences, and um, there's a lot of industry uh, print on exchanges, but I think it's really important when an employer is 
considering an exchange to make sure they understand the difference between a broker or a consultant exchange and a carrier exchange and a technology or a pure play exchange. They're all very different. They have different services. They make money different ways, um, and they have uh, you know different partners. So it's it's important, and we spend a lot of time when when consulting with clients. We make sure that they understand the various value propositions of the different types of exchanges, but also which ones, based on what an employer is trying to do and what their objectives are, which ones might best meet their needs. Now, when I, if I'm, I'm sorry, if I if I'm an employer, Barbara, and I decide that I'm going to make this move, I'm going to go into to an exchange. Are there certain things that I that I give up by going into the exchange, or are there, or are there certain things that I gain by going into the exchange around my benefit programs? Well, it really depends on which kind of exchange you pick. Okay. Quite honestly, so um, in some exchanges are incredibly flexible. You really don't give up anything. Other exchanges, you give up some of the decisions on who your your vendors might be, or what plan design options you might have. And it also depends on how what size employers you are. So, so there is, uh, and, and some employers like some of the give up. So sometimes, if you go into um, a certain, you know, maybe a, a consultant exchange or a carrier exchange. Perhaps if you think about a carrier exchange, that's easy. They're, they're pushing their products, and they're not going to have a lot of other carriers on their platforms. Um, a consultant exchange very often has their storefront or their plan designs already mapped out, so you can't necessarily have what you want from a plan design perspective. You have to choose from theirs. But some of them are more flexible than others. Um, and so it really depends in terms of what you give up. You still own the plan, you're still uh, the fiduciary of the plan as an employer, it still looks like group benefits. Um, but you do, uh, some employers like the idea that they don't have to make um, some of the tedious decisions on you know, how many dental cleanings to provide in a year, et cetera, that it's kind of prepackaged, but they do get to make decisions on what's important for their strategy. Are you going to include coverage for bariatric surgery? Or uh, infertility uh, coverage, things like that. So, um, so what an employer may also give up is some of uh, some of the administrative uh, burdens or, or controls. And HR, you know, is very mixed on that. They they like having that relationship with their employees, and they're they're worried about that to some extent. Some are, some aren't. So it really depends again on what you're trying um, to do and what your objectives are. What you gain is you you gain you know pretty sleek technology tool that really uh, can help enhance the consumer experience, make consumers be better, uh, make employees be better consumers, um, and, uh, you know, relieve some of the administrative burden. So if you, depending on what you want to do, that's what you you can gain or lose from an exchange depending on which type you go to. Now, Barbara, we got about one minute left in the program, and, and leave us with you know one really good takeaway on the private exchange industry, and then let our audience know how they can uh, contact you. Okay, um, you know the private exchange industry. This is a very disruptive influence to benefits delivery, but it, it's something that can be really customized and and create that win-win for an employer. Something that you can use to help enhance your strategy and, and potentially better control your costs and give give your employees uh, a better experience that actually, rather than have them be employees who, uh, you know, are purchasers of health benefits once a year, really come become engaged, uh, engaged consumers of health care services. But I think that the one thing that employers really have to look at, um, especially, um, you know, if their advisors are, are suggesting which exchanges to go to and they have an exchange, is make sure you understand what it costs. What, what are the fees, all of them? 
um, how much commissions are, are floating around, and then also make sure you understand exactly what services you get. I think that's the most important thing, and that's what we tell employers. No matter what you do, understand what you're paying and what you're paying for, um, and that will that will help you make sure you make the right decision on which exchange can best meet your needs. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Barbara. Have a great weekend. And uh, for everyone out there, Barbara is going to be, and her team is going to be joining us at IHC Forum West to dig more into this hot topic of uh, private exchanges out there. Again, Barbara, have a great weekend. And uh, to the rest of our audience, please stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive solution provider membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute, along with uh, Brent May, Steve Managing Director, and welcome back to this segment, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And, and joining us to talk about uh, the growing concerns over medical costs and access and where technology and telehealth is evolving to kind of serve the needs of the consumer and both the employers out there is Adam Jackson, CEO of Doctor on Demand. Adam, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. Uh, give a, give the audience a little background on Doctor on Demand. Sure. So Doctor on Demand is a, a national healthcare service that provides uh, video visits with board-certified doctors uh, on a patient's smartphone, tablet, or desktop computer. So you just download our app, create an account, um, check if your employer is covering the costs or not, and um, within a couple minutes you are having a face-to-face uh, video visit with one of our doctors. How, how do you see this space uh, growing right now? You know, it's. Uh, I, I think we're kind of in a golden age here for yeah. telemedicine. Um, I think with the combination of the Affordable Care Act, uh, bringing a lot more people onto the rolls, um, along with uh, technology, right. um, uh, in particular video technology being a lot more ubiquitous. Um, so now, you know, 
more things can be clinically effectively treated uh, virtually. Um, I think with all those things coming together, uh, this is the time for telemedicine to really take off and become mainstream. Yeah, and, and, and it's just not about cost, is it, Adam? I mean, it's, it's really about accessibility, and, and in many ways it's about people uh, accessing care when they may have not have through the traditional means, correct? Yeah, totally agree. I, I think, um, you know, a technology like ours is helping people um, get treated sooner um, when they may have gone untreated. Um, it's certainly increasing productivity. Uh, you know, we have data that shows with our employer clients, you know, sick days uh, are reduced. Um, people aren't having to take time off work, pack up the kids, and go into the doctor's office and, and wait for a few hours, let alone the, the wait time to get an appointment. Um, so it, it really is, uh, as you said, solving the access problem. What's what's the most confusing factor out there? If I'm an employer look, looking at uh, the solution sets for my employee population, what, what's the most confusing factor out there? Because there's a lot of different uh, models out there, a lot of different choices. You know, um, there, there's a couple of factors in there. Um, and I think, I think one of the things that confuses and, and possibly scares people who are making the decisions uh, at the employer level um, is the the equation where you have to factor the per employee per month fee mm. plus the utilization fee and, and what kind of ROI is that really driving for us. Um, when we designed our, our business uh, and how it would integrate into benefit plans, we said, look, let's just make this simple. Uh, we're going to throw out the PEPM fee, uh, only charge the employer when the service is utilized, and let the employer designate the copay, even by department. So some some people can pay a $10 copay. Some people can pay a $0 copay. Um, our visits are $40, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, and then let us show you the, the real data about, uh, you know, where the, would that person have gone otherwise. You know, we can analyze the claims data. Um, so now if you have the PEPM in the, in the equation, um, <laughs> it gets complicated. It's, okay, well, if I'm paying a dollar per employee per month, I've got all these employees, but we only had this many use it. What's the actual cost per visit? Right. And with some of our competitors, that number can be $150, $175, dollars per visit after you factor in PEPM. Well, for two hundred bucks, we should send a doctor to your house. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that kind of takes you out of the uh, the price benefit, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been working with employers? When did you actually launch directly to through through employers to employees? So we so we came out the market in the in direct consumer uh, about a year ago, mm-hmm. and then very quickly thereafter started working with employers. There was a ton of inbound interest. Uh, we knew when we started the company that we would eventually get there, mm-hmm. um, but because of uh, a lot of the inbound uh, requests we had, we we ended up getting there sooner. So we started working with employers back in. Uh, I'm going to say January, February this year. Okay. Now, Adam, uh, this is Brent. Do you, do you embrace uh, brokers and their role in the market and, and taking your solution into the employer and client as well? Is that a channel for you? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got great relationships with uh, a lot of the big benefits consultants, all the way down to the, the, the smaller brokers mm-hmm. uh, sort of on the regional level. Um, you know, we make things really simple for, for them as well. We like to arm them with, uh, you know, for us, we're, we're a huge cost saver, you know, so a broker can bring us in and say, you know, forget the PEPM, these guys only charge when you use it. Uh, you can pass the full 40 through to your employees or, 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 you know, cover a piece of it, half of it or whatever. Um, and, and you sign one contract and, and we do all the hard, hard work of working with benefits people and sending collateral, doing on-site demonstrations. Um, so yeah, we, we love the broker channel. Now, when 
you know, Adam, all the a lot of the plan designs that you see out there that brokers are helping their employers put in place or the others are, are helping, um, the plan designs are moving more towards higher deductibles, and your solution marries quite well with a high deductible type plan, correct? It does. Um, you, you know, when you're when you got to spend uh, when the first two or three or four thousand dollars a year is coming out of your own pocket. I mean, that's the type of insurance my wife and I have. Uh, Forty bucks for an urgent care style visit uh, is a no-brainer over a hundred dollar office visit or a two hundred dollar urgent care visit. Yeah, Adam. Adam, where do you see uh, you know in the last two segments? I don't know whether you had a chance to uh, join in, but uh, you know we uh, active discussion around exchanges and the fast uh, <coughs> growing emergence of pri- particularly private exchanges. Uh, and you would seem to fit very well as a partner with these various private exchanges. Are you in conversations with them right now? Yeah, you know, we're, we're, I, I was listening uh, to the earlier part of the show. Very interesting stuff. Um, we we are in a couple of early conversations. Uh, not a ton I can speak to there yet, but again, it, it makes perfect sense in that setting. You know, we're we're increasing access, um, and, and we're we're significantly reducing costs there. So that's that's something we're, we're looking very much forward to getting jumping into. Yeah. Um, so Adam, so so. Your your big differentiator is your business model, but but really the video technology component too, because a lot of them are still using uh, traditional uh, telehealth. Correct. That's right. Yeah, we our core two differentiators are, and look, I'm an internet geek, uh, you yeah. know, product guy, so I'll always harp on. We've got the better user experience, which we do. Uh, that's not always the most important thing to to all the decision makers. But so it's one. You know, we work on just about anything with the camera, and we're in we're video first, meaning. As you pointed out, you know we we don't support just the plain old telephone call, and that's because we talked to the state medical boards when we were designing the service, and they all made it yeah. clear. And, the, and you see the the FSMB guidelines that have been adopted recently by twenty five or so states that say very clearly, you aren't practicing medicine if you can't see the patient, and seeing the patient means in person or over vid- live video. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we designed it from the ground up to be video first. We support any device. You don't have to have the, mm-hmm. the new $500 iPhone. You can have a six-year-old Dell computer uh, <laughs> with a webcam bolted to the top, and that that works <laughs> for us as well. And then the second huge differentiator, like I said, is the, the no PEPM. Now, Adam, do you, um, as far as channels, another channel is a would a health plan be attracted to to your solution and embedding it for their their member population? Absolutely. We've already signed on a few health plans, and we're uh, in, in very active uh, conversations with, with a lot of the larger ones as well. For the exact same reason, you know, Comcast signed on with mm-hmm. us. It's, it's a direct cost saver. We can steer these uh, expensive visits uh, out and get them to be done virtually. Huge, huge saver for the plan. Now, now when, you, when you look at this and the video piece specifically, you know, what, what are you able to, to treat? You know, what, what is the extent of the visit? Is, there, is it more for, you know, a sore throat, common cold, or does it go beyond that to, to other factors? Yeah, so today it's, um, it's something like 17 out of 20 things you would present at an urgent care with we okay. could do over video. Okay. So obviously we're not giving you a flu shot. We can't, you know, the iPhone can't reset your broken bone. You know, maybe next year's iPhone. <laughs> you know, not yet. Uh, you know, and, and, and we can't stitch you up. But short of that, um, we can do a lot of stuff for you. To, to be clear, it's, it's you know, short-term uh, non-emergency medical things. So we're not into chronic care management at this point. Uh, we, we probably will be in the future. Um, but today's practice strictly sort of urgent care style cases. 
uh, our medical director team has actually written 220 video medical protocols. So, so these are, mm. you know, how would you treat a sore throat or pink eye or, or things like that in person, and then uh, the little twist you would do to do it effectively over video. So our all our physicians are trained uh, with those video protocols and um, can uh, can very effectively treat that way. Now, now, when you look at when you look at the providers, um, how are they embracing this type of solution? So we're we're kind of the first work from home option a doctor's ever had. So they can do this in their pajamas, <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> they, they can, as long as they got a white lab coat over the top, right. we're, we're happy. We like to control the visual experience. As you, as you guys can imagine, you know, this isn't a mainstream form of, of care yet. So, right. you know, a lot of people that are using our service, A, it's the first time they've ever video chatted a doctor, and B, it's, it's the first time a lot of them have ever video chatted anybody. Yeah. So, you know, it can be a little bit of a, a new experience, and... We need to make sure, one, the technology is reliable, gets out of the way, and two, the doctors are, you know, in a, um, uh, in a setting where um, they're making the patient feel comfortable. And um, so what we do, you know, the doctors, they can work from home, they can work from their office, they can work from their vacation home. It doesn't matter to us. As long as you have uh, good Internet, uh, you're on a computer with a, um, you know, we actually send little clip-on LED lights so your face is well lit. Um, we actually do send you the white uh, white lab coat with the Doctor on Demand logo, um, you know, and, and they're trained uh, through our program to kind of maintain eye contact with the camera and provide a, a you know a reassuring and comforting experience to the patient. Hey, uh, Adam, we've really enjoyed having you on the program. We got about uh, thirty seconds to go, and uh, can you give our audience kind of a wrap up and how they can find you, please? Absolutely. Um, so you can use us on the web, DoctorOnDemand.com or search uh, the App Store. We're on Google Play uh, for Android and as well as iOS. Just search Doctor On Demand in the App Store and you'll find us. All right, Adam. Hey, we really appreciate uh, you joining us on the program today. If you can, we'd love to have you join us at uh, IHC Forum West out in um, Nevada. It's November 10th through 12th. Um, If you can make it, we'd love to have you. And uh, to the rest of our audience, again, today's the last day to sign up for uh, the early bird rates, so make sure you do that if you haven't already done that. Adam, have a great weekend. And uh, to everyone else, we will uh, talk to you next Friday on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thanks, guys. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.